podcast one production. For our last proper episode this year, take it away, my dulcet toned Adonis. <laughs> we had Ooh. such high hopes for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. Hello, Gistners, and welcome back for another episode of Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to share at a dinner party in the future, assuming that there is, of course, a future coming our way. Well, I think there is. I think. I mean, things are looking positive for Australia, at least. Well, I'm... Starting We're to become a little bit fixated on what's happening with the relationship with China. That's my latest little obsession. Oh, I love that you, for the first time in your life, have gotten into news this year. And so yeah. now you're getting, like, worried about things that we've seen in the news happen, like, all the time. And you're yes. like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> what's going on? This sounds bad. I, mean, I don't it's- know. It's a really bizarre situation. I don't really understand it. I oh, mean, I yeah. do a little. Like, Caleb explained it to me a bit, but, like. Eh. I just feel like there's so much going on. It's like the least important thing on my radar. Yeah. And it probably would have stayed there for me as well, but somehow it got bumped up to my little mental priority list and I just want to come to Ah. understand it. And I've got a lot to catch up on. So I've. Oh, Caleb can explain it to you. That's a good idea. We won't talk about it now because it's boring, but he gave me a really good explainer the other day. Okay, cool. Tell him to expect a phone call. Yes, because I was like, okay, so something, something tariffs. And he's like, well, the tariffs are the blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, no, no, what is a tariff? <laughs> I was like, that's what we're stripping this back to. And he was like, right, okay. <laughs> so a lot of assumed knowledge. And at Just the Gist, we're all about never assuming any knowledge. So mm-hmm. how about I'll get a, you get a good explainer from Caleb. I've sort of had one. And then if it's still a thing next year, we'll do a little, we'll do a little explainer on it. Deal. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your story this week? It's your turn to cap us off for the year besides our Christmas and New Year's Eve. It is. And actually the conversation that we've just had is a pretty good segue into how and why I chose this topic, because this was one of the things that I found out about only a couple of months ago when I sort of re-entered the world after eight years of not looking at <laughs> any media. <laughs> and as I was sort of exploring the whole QAnon delusion phenomenon, which I only found out about when you told me about Pete Evans and his descent into Mm. madness. In that process, I found out about the story of Pepe the Frog. And Mm. so this week I'm going to break down the story of how this really innocent and carefree, sweet cartoon frog character called Pepe became this really powerful symbol of hatred and bigotry and it was used as a mascot for far-right fascists and then the guy who actually created Pepe decided that he was going to fight back and rescue his little froggy son. Oh, I'm excited because I know a tiny little bit about Pepe. All I know is that Pepe the frog was a meme that everyone thought was funny and then one day racists started using it and then it was like, oh, we're not allowed to use that anymore. Pepe the frog is racist. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the the basic thrust (laughs) of act two right there is what we got from you. Hey, all right. Well, shall we do um, our final for the year? (gasps) Breaking news, breaking news. I got the scoop for C, extra, extra, read all about it. And actually, I went back and listened to some old episodes um, to get some uh, audio of us for the New Year's uh, episode I've been prepping for. And mm. I used to say, it's coming straight down the wire. Breaking news. 
did you? <laughs> Diligent, but at some point I just <laughs> that got lost. <laughs> I listened to it and I was like, oh, coming straight down the wire. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Vintage breaking news. Yeah. Vintage breaking news. That was from like, oh yeah, I think that was February or March I found that. Okay, so <laughs> this is just on top of our little NASA tampon thing last week. Yeah. A bunch of listeners emailed, messaged on Instagram, all the places, and said not only did they NASA have the tampon thing, but they also had the great dick sleeve controversy. Have you heard about this? <laughs> I <laughs> so saw some messages. Back when they were first, like, or I don't know, first, but around the time they were making spacesuits, mm. in the spacesuit or, like, there's these kind of dick sleeves that are kind of like condom type things mm. that they pee in. It's how they urinate. They put this mm. thing over their pee pee and they do a wee wee and then they take it off and dispose of the thing they weed in, right? Mm-hmm. And they uh, made them in sizes small, medium, and large. But they found <laughs> that none of the astronauts wanted to admit that they were small or medium. So all the larges <laughs> were getting used. None of the small or mediums were getting used. And pee was going everywhere because the larges were too big for most of the astronauts. So in order to save the precious men's egos, they changed the sizes from small, medium, large to large, gigantic, humongous. And magnum. Now, I, and magnum. Now, I tried researching this story is written up in a bunch of places but i cannot figure out if it's an urban legend or not yeah i did find a few different names for what they changed the sizing to Mm. but the crux of the story is true that none of the astronauts would take anything but a large dick sleeve so they had to change the name of the sizes to protect their egos. It's just mm. not entirely confirmed what they changed the names. <laughs> That's so So good. probably the reason why they didn't understand periods is because they were spending months <laughs> dedicated to figuring out how to not bruise men's egos with two small dick sleeves. How to preserve their self-esteem. That is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love NASA, the smartest people on the planet. <laughs> apparently. (laughs) Um, So so the other breaking news is I almost killed Caleb. Oh. Yes. What did he do? I almost killed him. So last week I was, I came to Sydney to take my nephew Muhammad to the premiere of the Frozen musical. Mm. It was amazing. He loved it. Highly recommend everyone go see the Frozen musical. It is so cool when the woman sings let it go oh my god it tore the freaking house down the special effects were amazing muhammad was just because he'd never been to theater before like he was just he couldn't believe it anyway it was amazing Mm. so i flew to sydney to do that and while i was there you and i were going to record a few episodes and i was going to get um botox uh at my sister's clinic on the friday but mm. then one of the twins got gastro on Friday morning. And mm. so she called me. She's like, oh, we can't really do the Botox. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I thought, well, I mean, I've, I might as well just fly home. And so I thought, okay, I'll surprise Caleb. So I called Caleb in the morning and he was like, hey, like, uh, what are your plans? And I said, oh, well, I'm going to go do this thing with Rhiannon. And then I'll probably stay the weekend. And, you know, I'll probably fly back on Monday or Tuesday. And he mm. was like, okay. And meanwhile, I'm on the computer booking a flight for that afternoon. Like, mm. 
And then like I talked to him, I don't know, lunchtime that day and he's like, how are you? And I'm at the airport and I'm like, I'm just at Rhiannon's house. Like I totally made it seem so real. Mm. And then he was meant to be going out that night. So when I landed in Adelaide in the afternoon, he wasn't home because he was like working and then he was going to go straight out. And Mm -hmm. so I sort of unpacked and had a shower and was just chilling. And then he called me and said, and I said, oh, what are you up to tonight? Are you still going out? And he's like, oh, no, I'm not going out. Everyone just decided, you know, not to. So I'm coming home. And I said, oh, what are you going to do at home? He goes, I'm just going to have a quiet night in. And I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, I just picked up a steak and I'll just cook that up. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh oh, well, that sounds nice. Well, I'll call you later from home mm. in Sydney because I'm in Sydney. <laughs> like I was fully building it up. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so then because I knew it was coming, I turned all the lights off and I had like a sexy nighty on. I was like, ooh, he's going to be so excited. I had a bowl of wine ready. And um, I heard him walking up the driveway because he like started talking to Boo, the cat. Uh-huh. And so then he puts his key in the door and he turns the lock and when he turned the lock, I pulled the door open and went, surprise! <laughs> and he jumped five feet in the air and let out a sound that I've never heard a human being make in my entire life. Like, it wasn't a high-pitched scream. It was like a deep, guttural, like, pure <laughs> fear mm. like if he hadn't been holding his briefcase I think he would have punched me in the face <laughs> and then he was so angry at me like he turned around and he was like what the <laughs> and I was like ah and then I couldn't stop laughing I'm standing here in this sexy nighty like trying to be and then I'm laughing at him and he was like shaking he needed to sit down mm. like I had literally given him so much adrenaline he it took him almost two hours to calm down he couldn't mm. forgive me he needed a stiff drink he was sitting there like I thought there'd be sexy times on the table not nah, too couldn't like it was just <laughs> I broke him I broke him and he was so cranky and so it wasn't the romantic surprise <laughs> reunion I thought it would be has he recovered yet? Oh, well, it took a day or two. Like he was like, I will literally, every time you go to Sydney now, I will not believe that you're not in the house every second you say you're not there. I think I just made it too believable. I think you've I made thinking. him scared of doors forevermore now. <laughs> every time he turns a handle, it's going to be triggering for him. I know. So I nearly killed him. I nearly killed him. Poor thing, poor darling. <laughs> but then he paid me back the next day at Scammell's, which is the auction place he makes me go to every week, which I call the auction of dead grandma's things. It's like mm. an estate auction house. He didn't tell me that he liked and then bid on and won this really hideous framed poster of the last time the Adelaide AFL team he likes won the AFL grand final and it's like two meters wide. Oh, it's huge, and I don't know where it's going to go. Oh, I suggested the bathroom, which he didn't like. (laughs) So I guess that's his revenge, isn't it? (laughs) 
Um, that seems disproportionate. That's what I said. There's nothing tackier than framed sports memorabilia. I'm sorry, but it's true. It's so mm. tacky. I hate it. But he loves it so much. And he won't tell me what he paid for it. So I'm sure it was an obscene amount. <laughs> the only time <laughs> anyway. I've seen framed sports memorabilia done well, Myra's husband, Simon, he has his wall of shame in their house. Yeah. And so he's got a big frame sign picture of Lance Armstrong and a <laughs> signed picture of some football club. <laughs> that's never won any game ever. And oh, a few that's other funny. Ones, but, like, I need him to explain them to me. But, yeah, that I think is clever. That's good. See, that's funny. That's clever. Yeah, well, I don't know where we're going to put this hideous thing, but he loves it. So, mm. oh, okay. So I read this week that, you know, the um, sun baby in Teletubbies, the little baby mm. who's in the sun, she now has a baby. <laughs> that's how old we are. I know. <gasps> wow. I know. Firstly, um, mind blown, didn't realise that was a girl baby and she's now... Why did you in- assume it was a boy? Gender I- dynamics. Exactly. It starts from a very young age, doesn't it? Um, the mm. patriarchy um, really has a strong hold on us. And she's, what, in her 20s? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, she's old enough to have a baby. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Cool. And on another note of I can't believe how old we are, Nikki Webster is campaigning to be the next Bachelorette and they're pretty (laughs) sure she'll get it. So there's that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Can she give out strawberry kisses instead of roses? I've been missing your strawberry kisses. Taste still drive me crazy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I never really wanted you to do a batchy recap series again for Just the Gist, but I actually would really be entertained by that, I think. So consider it. I think it it would be kind of cool. I mean, she's come into the spotlight a little the last couple of years and she seems to me, and I mean this in the most loving way, kind of like a dance mum bogan. Mm. Like she has her dance studio. Like she clearly has just always loved dance and performing. And so that's what she's done. And she just kind of looks like the kind of mum who lives on the Shire and lives in the Shire and, mm. you know, takes kids to dance class. And she, she seems like a cool dance mum bogan. I would love to see her as the bachelorette. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I hope this is you agreeing to do a recap season. Oh, Maybe well, it would have to be an off offshoot season. Yes, <gasps> Patreon. Yes, oh, we've mm. got to figure that out. <laughs> so many things we have to figure out. We're so bad at <laughs> business life. But on that, we are doing live just the gist shows. They will be in January, and our tour manager is sorting out ticket things right now. So they should mm-hmm. be on sale like by the time this episode comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm saying that tentatively because I don't really know what's going on. But I do know we're doing live shows and we're doing one in, we're doing Canberra, Sydney, and I think the Sunny Coast. The entrance, I believe, yes. The entrance. So we're doing those three in January and then we'll go to some other places. But our tickets will go on sale before Christmas. And I'm just bringing this up now because we pre-recorded our other episodes so we won't be able to tell you then. But you'll get to see us alive in the flesh. (laughs) Oh, wow. It's going to be so interesting to see how this pans out. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have a plan. We're not just turning (laughs) up. It's so interesting to see how this pans out. Like, you're just going to turn up on the day and see what happens. We've put some work into it. 
sort we'll of. prepare it. I'm just so interested yeah. to see how people respond to it. Yeah, and we're going to mm. do a number. Yeah. I said that was part of the, that was my um, condition on doing the show. I said, if you're putting me live on stage, I will sing. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what's happening. <laughs> and that's pretty much my breaking news for this week. I mean, I feel like I should ask you things. You now actually read the news if you have anything to add. Well, the only thing that I was going to add was... Um, after your episode last week on the Lunar Park fire, which I'd never heard about, I mentioned it to my uncle and I mentioned it to my mum. Both of them had been in that um, ghost train <gasps> ride. Stop it. And my uncle said that he was quite young and he just remembers it being really fun, really scary. As soon as he got yeah. off, he wanted to go on it again. Yeah. My mum went through it and she said that, you know, how people are like sticking their hands out and grabbing you to try to shock you. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. was not happy with the fact that they kept grabbing her Ooh. in the chesticle area. And so oh. by the time she got towards the end, she could predict where they were going to come from. And so she just started swinging punches and making sure <laughs> that she was preventing anyone from having a non-consensual grope. That's funny because all the stuff I read about it said that they didn't have anyone inside. So I wonder when your mamala was on it. Yeah. Uh, well, it would before, have been the late been 60s, early yeah, 70s, like, 70s, yeah. I wanted to read, you just reminded me of um, the comment we got on the Just the Gist Instagram. Mm. I won't read their name, but if you want to go have a look, they've commented on Instagram and it says, I knew the boys. We saw them that afternoon on the bus and debated whether to go to Luna Park as well. We decided to go to the movies. It was so sad when we heard about what happened. Mm. How crazy is that? Yeah. Um, I don't uh, know if you saw this. It came through on the DMs that someone said that their dad was actually one of the firefighters who helped put out the blaze and then went in to um, no, investigate the site. So this guy, when they were investigating the site, once it was all just reduced to rubble, he kicked what he thought was a piece of wood and his foot went through the ashes of a human being. And <gasps> that single event traumatised him so much that he had to then retire from being a fireman oh because he goodness. just could never get over that, which is 100% understandable. Oh, and I'm sure yeah. he did so much in the time that he was serving. I don't know how anyone would ever recover from that. The things that firefighters, paramedics, police officers see is mm. just, that's just like I did um, the podcast called Life's a Beach with Hoppo mm. from Bondi Rescue. Mm. And he was just telling, like, we were talking about mental health and how for the, the last few years, the Bondi Rescue, like Bondi Lifesavers, Surf Lifesavers Club has really started to take mental health seriously, particularly PTSD amongst mm. their lifesavers and how the work that they do can really affect them mentally. And he was just telling me about some of the awful, awful things they see as lifeguards. He's like, we never put that kind of stuff on the show. Like the show mm. is just ocean narrating and us saving tourists and like mm. but the really dark awful stuff that they have to do he's like we have seen some awful stuff and it hasn't been until the last few years that we've really started to go oh okay this actually can affect us mentally and we need to take care of that yeah this is a really really good interview i did with him so go listen to it it's called life's a beach mm. and he talks a lot about being a first responder and the mental health implications it has yeah uh, we don't really do enough to recognize people who voluntarily do that sort of stuff for us so mm. that we don't have to 
And then just one last thing. I don't know if you know this, but uh, when I was researching a bit more about Moloch, he is one mm. of the demons that the QAnon believers think that um, Hillary Clinton worships. So, ah, because he's a demon of child sacrifice. That's right, yes. Ah, mm, And there are some sects of QAnon who believe that Moloch is actually real. There are others who um, mock the Moloch worshippers because they're worshipping a false demon. Right. But, yeah, he's actually a major player in the whole conspiracy. I love that they can't decide what they all agree on. Like, oh, there are so many different sects in there, but that's the beauty of the whole thing. That The one thing they all agree on is that... Q and Trump are going to lead them to salvation. Mm. Mm. Cray, cray. All right. Well, that was good. That was coming down the wire. Bring him back the old school. I like it. All righty. So I can sit back and relax because it's your turn. All right. So I'm calling this week's episode because it is about a green frog. It's not easy being meme, the story of <laughs> Pepe the Frog. So we'll start off with Matt Fury. And in many ways, this is another story, Stuart Semple-esque in nature, because you've mm. got a really kind-hearted, good-natured artist who ends up becoming an advocate for good. It's just that in this case, Matt, our artist of the week, happens to be fighting a much bigger, scarier enemy. Mm-hmm. So... Matt Fury is the artist who created Pepe originally, and he's a very, very sweet, gentle, charming guy. He doesn't have a hateful cell in his body. He grew up Mm. in the Midwest in the US, always loved art. He was always drawing robots and frogs were his favourite thing to draw from when he was a really little kid. Um, He moved to San Francisco for uni and then after he graduated, he just moved in with his best friends and they just kept acting like they were still in college, smoking weed and going to raves. And they were all about just having fun and being knuckleheads. Like they would dress up on weekends wearing like 80s fluoro aerobic gear and they'd go and do boy band style flash mob dances at parties just because (laughs) they wanted to like go out into the world and spread joy. That was their whole philosophy. Um, Do you remember the time you and I got so drunk with Antonio in King's Cross at his house (laughs) and we had this huge cape that was like a prop costume from drama school, like a long velvet King's cape. Mm -hmm. And we decided, I cannot understand why, that we would go down to the little Woolworths or whatever, the little supermarket in King's Cross, Mm -hmm. and you walked around wearing the cape like a king and Tony and I... (laughs) were crouched inside it behind you so it looked like you had a giant R. And to us, it was just the funniest thing we had ever done mm-hmm. in our entire lives. <laughs> yes. And that was when we were in our 20s. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's the sort of of stuff you do in your (laughs) 20s. Like, you don't have a reputation to protect yet. You just had the most regal expression. You were walking down the aisles of the supermarket like, yes, and and there's these two (laughs) drunk people behind you going, (laughs) inside this cape, like we were like the butt end of a horse's costume or something. (laughs) Oh, dear. That was performance art. It really was, wasn't it? Mm. Okay, so this is where he's at at that point. 
Yeah, just fun-loving, didn't take himself seriously at all, worked at a community thrift store with his friends. It was his job to sort toys and Mm -hmm. because, you know, that's not too strenuous a job, that left him a lot of spare time to be able to draw while he was at work. So all day he'd be drawing and inventing characters and the characters started to represent him and his friends and then people told him he should start writing actual comics and selling them. And so he came up with a comic called Playtime and that's where he introduced for the first time this character that was a frog that he called Pepe simply because Pepe sounded sort of like pee-pee and he was really into <laughs> toilet humour. I totally feel that. I'm on board. Yeah. Um, and then that was fairly popular, so then he expanded that into a longer um zine that he called Boys Club. And this was about the adventures Mm of four wacky friends who were just representations of him and the guys that he lived with. And they were called Mm -hmm. Andy and Grant and Landwolf and Pepe. He was one of them. And And what, sorry, Landwolf? Landwolf. So he was kind of like a werewolfy sort of guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, sure. He was kind of like the Kramer style party monster. Yes. Okay. So anyway. his name wasn't actually, he called himself Landwolf, in That's other right. words. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so they lived together and hung out and played video games and got stoned all the time. And they had, um, you know, very juvenile sense of humor. Most of the jokes were about barfing or farting <laughs> or using the toilet. And a toilet gag is where we kind of got Pepe from to begin with. We got the image of Pepe and his catchphrase from a comic in which Andy, one of the characters, walks in on Pepe in the bathroom and sees that Pepe is standing there in front of the toilet. He's pulled his pants and his underwear all the way to the ground Mm. while he's peeing. And then later in the day, Landwolf says to Pepe while they're playing video games, hey, I heard you pull your pants all the way down to go pee. And Pepe responds with, feels good, man. And we. I didn't know he had a catchphrase. Yeah, well, this was the first thing that took off. This is what went viral about Pepe, the image of his face saying, feels good, man. Can I also ask, is it not usual for a dude to pull their pants all the way down when they do a wee? We have flies. So you just pull your dick out of your fly. And then you pee. don't know this. You did not know this. Well, your pants are, why would I know this? Do I have a <laughs> penis? Why would I know? So you I'm just pull your dick out of your fly. But then it's right where the wee is. Do you think we sit down to pee? No, but if you're standing up and you pull mm. your dick out of your fly, like, that's quite, that's cutting it close. To what, your feet? No, like, as in where the wee's coming out of your penis, your pants are still just right there at the base of your penis. Uh, there's enough distance from the end of it, which is where the pee comes out of. Yes, I know, but <laughs> what if you don't have a, you know, maybe you're well endowed. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just thought you'd get as much distance between your pants and your pee-pee as possible. Like, when I sit down to go to the toilet, my pants and my undies go all the way to my ankles. I don't keep them up around my thighs. It's so weird. We'll debate the logic another time, but um, just, you know. Okay, can my... people just please write in because <laughs> I need to know, is this a, not a shock to anyone else that dudes just, you unzip your fly, reach in, like whip out your pain and mm. just pee like that. It's easier than you imagine. It all goes according to plan, trust me. We're going to have to talk about this some more, but we can't keep going on about it. But it is weird to me that boys just pull their dick out of just a little hole in their fly and 
piss. Can I really blow your mind? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes you'll go to a urinal and you'll see a guy, typically a pretty old guy, and if he's wearing shorts, he'll actually just hike up one leg of his shorts, pull his dick down through the leg hole and actually pee out the bottom of his shorts in that way. <laughs> but why not just that is so labor intensive just drop your pants to the floor <laughs> also why do only old you would never want to do that in the urinal guys do that that's weird yeah it's mysterious it's not something that i would ever choose to do yeah it's got to be a boomer thing yeah okay, i this i mean i grew up <laughs> with all sisters i never really had a dad so I, I don't understand men or boys. I don't understand any of what you guys do. So I, I mean, the first time I saw a penis is when it was coming in my face. So I don't really know a lot about <laughs> the logistics of how you guys take care of yourselves. And it, it's just none of my business, but uh, been a learning experience today. Wow. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> so, I mean, the point of the comic was like, if it feels good, do it. You be you, own your weird, live and let live. If you like pulling yeah. your pants down, which is an unusual thing all the way when you're going okay. to pee in the toilet bowl, um, then just do it if that's what feels good. Now, Matt. Question. Drew, yes. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when you're doing number twos and you sit on the toilet, yeah. do you put your pants and your undies down to your ankles all the way of to Of course, the- Yes. So what is the difference? Well, if you don't need to go to all that effort, I mean, this prevents you from having to bend down all the way to the ground. Why do you have to bend? Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) (laughs) It's the end of 2020. (laughs) I just, this is a weird thing for me to. We get to the end of this wacky year. And it's the fact this that boys use their in. flies for the purpose they're intended that has thrown you. This has done me in. I can't. Okay. <laughs> this is just, that's okay. Let's move on before I literally explode. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> I cannot wait to see people's response to this. All right. Okay. okay. So, <clears throat> keep in mind, this was the time in our life when MySpace was a thing. And so Matt decided it'd be really cool if he scanned in some of his comics and put them on his MySpace, including the one with the feels good man, little tile thing. And he left it there for a few months for his friends to see it. And then once the hard copy was printed, he took it down. But that short period of time was enough for the internet to find it and then take hold of it and start appropriating both the image of Pepe and also the phrase feels good, man. That was the first thing Mm. that really took off. All these gym bros started posting these awful Fitzbo type images using the caption feels good, man, Um, which in itself was just really gross because to me, Gym selfies are just the best example of narcissism and desperation for praise, and they're so sickening. Um, but yeah, they would post their selfies and talk about the gains that they'd got and how heavy the weights were that they could pick up, and their before and afters. And they'd always end it with "feels good, man." And so then people who were trolling them would start using the term "feels good, man" uh, okay. really sarcastically like a, to make yeah. fun of them. Yeah, to make fun of them. Okay, gotcha. And 
At the same time, people started using the original image from Boys Club, which was Pepe's face with the little speech bubble that said, feels good, man. And they started using it as a reaction image. And then they started adding colour to him because he was black and white to begin with. And then they started superimposing him. Oh, was it black and white to begin with? Yeah. And I mean, they kind of got the colours wrong compared to what was actually in Matt's head. So they gave him bright Mm. red lips on the internet. Yeah. I was going to say, like, if I were to describe it it's very crudely drawn kind of like a little kid has drawn it Mm. and it just looks like this green oval shaped head with these big red lips yeah and it's a frog it's a i use this in inverted commas a frog yeah that's right um yeah it's kind of universally recognised as a frog, mostly for the fact that it's green, it doesn't have a nose, it doesn't have ears. Yeah. Um, which is also what makes it so easy for people to draw. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Matt had actually envisioned him to have, like, pale yellow lips. Ah, which would be more frog-like. Exactly. Mm. Um Then they started messing around with Pepe's appearance and that started off with creating a feels bad man meme where they just took his mouth and turned it upside down. Then they'd start changing the text in the bubble. 2005, 2006. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Matt found out about this because people were sending it to him and he was surprised about it and pretty curious, but he wasn't at all worried or bothered by it. He just sort of thought Mm. it was funny and cute. And people were telling him, you need to get in there and sue for copyright infringement. This is your creation. Mm -hmm. And his philosophy was just, look, live and let live. It was very much the Stuart Semple approach of arts inclusive, arts for everyone. I put something out there. If people want to use it, they can. And And this was also like the very, uh, like 2005, 2006 was the very early days of Mm. memes and things going viral and things being shared. I mean, you and I had been in uni, what? No, we hadn't even started uni yet. We were in uni a couple years later and they were still teaching us what memes were out of a physical textbook. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't even really like, um, nothing was really called a meme yet. So like, Mm people taking something you've created and appropriating it and spreading it and it going viral is a meme. But back then I can see how people would have been like, they're stealing your stuff, but he was kind of ahead of the curve. Like, no, they're just liking it and using it and spreading it. And that's cool. Yeah. And he couldn't see any like shadows of doom coming his way. He just thought, yeah, people are just playing around with my creation. And there was no way he was ever going to sue another artist. He just said, look, I'm really happy that Pepe's found this special home and a special place in people's hearts. Mm. Um, And why would you assume that an adorable green frog was going to be taken over by Nazis? I mean, that is the last thing you I mean, that's why this has become such a big story and how it came to my attention because it just seems so impossible. But when you piece it back from the beginning and see how it evolved, you go, okay, right, that's what happened. Okay, yeah. Um, This is actually probably a good point uh, because we did study this at university. I'll quiz you. How well do you remember what is a meme and where did we get the word from? I remember we... Uh, we had a very serious professor of psychology mm-hmm. who was teaching us what memes were. Mm-hmm. And it, w- it was this physical textbook. And, um, oh, God, this is going to show how much I did not listen or care what we were learning <laughs> at university. But I don't know. All I remember is him saying something like, a meme is a piece of information that is transmitted from one communication tool to another. And in the process of that communication, it is appropriated or expanded upon, etc. And we mm-hmm. were all just sitting there going, 
What? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine getting taught an internet thing in a theory class mm. at university. Like it was just, it made no sense to me at the time. Yeah. Well, look, a bit of context to everyone here is when we were at uni, um, they just had no idea what to teach us because Twitter, no. Facebook, the 24-hour news cycle, these were things that were brand new. So they just had no and idea they didn't what, know to, what teach to teach us. us. Yeah, because we were doing a... Yeah, media communications, creative writing degree and media and communications was on the precipice of exploding into something completely different. Mm. And so we were just like, they didn't know what to teach us. Yeah. <laughs> it was a weird time. They couldn't teach us anything practical and real world. So they went back to teaching us lots of theory. And the theory of memes was um, put forward by Richard Dawkins in 1976. Ah, that's right. Yeah. Of course. Yes. I remember mm. this. Yeah. Um, I honestly thought it was Michel Foucault, but I think I just blame him for everything that we learned. Um, yes. At any rate. He invented this word because he felt like we needed something to represent um, what a gene represents in biology, something that carries genetic code through generation mm. after generation and evolves over yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. A meme carries oh, memetic code through culture. Yeah, it's all coming back to me. So the simplest way to explain it to learned. someone is traditionally a meme is considered, it's just a synonym for concept, really, something mm. that gets passed from person to person. Um, and it did get co-opted by the internet. So an internet meme is similar but different to the, you know, traditional understanding of what a meme is. And also, this is also boring because, like, if you say to someone now a meme, they just innately know what it is. Exactly. So, like, all the theory we were learning, like, what does it matter? A yeah. meme's just a funny thing on the internet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Which, you know, that is actually such a good statement to make there that for most people they're like, oh, yeah, it's just a funny thing on the internet. But it can mm. be so much more meaningful and powerful for people because it is transmitting an idea or reinforcing a belief system in a lot of cases. Sure. So the place where Pepe really took off as a meme was 4chan. And mm -hmm. in researching this, I actually went on 4chan, which was something that I thought Ugh. I would never actually do. Yeah, it's awful. It's They call it the asshole of the internet, and rightly so. Mm. It's a pretty foul place. But the 4chan has lifted Pepe from MySpace and embraced him because he was ugly and he was weird and he owned the Can fact Can you explain he... a little bit what 4chan is? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, I mean... it was created by a teenage boy, mostly for teenage boys. And the mm -hmm. types of teenage boys that it attracted were mostly um, kids that were pretty disenfranchised. In a lot of cases, they were very privileged, but they were hurt deeply because they didn't feel like they were alpha males. They'd been picked mm. on or teased, and so they'd sort of retreated to the internet. And when 4chan was first created, it started off as a place where people could share information about video games and Japanese manga and kind of became so kind of like a Reddit Exactly, except yeah. they had no like a Reddit thread to begin with. But with offensive stuff. Yeah. So yeah. anything goes. Um, there is mm. very little moderation that happens on 4chan. Um, and the environment did quickly become toxic because the more toxic yeah. your posts were, the more attention it got, and that would then push it to the top so that it then continued to yeah. get more attention. It would sort of snowball. Because it's all about upvotes, isn't it? So if you post a picture of like, a fat girl and say, ew, I would never F this fat girl. Mm. And then everyone's like, lol, like, 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 like. And then the things with the most upvotes goes to the top of the list. And then you become like, 
popular on yeah. 4chan. Yeah. And so all these boys and young men who aren't living the life they would like in real life mm. ended up on 4chan and they ended up posting more and more awful stuff in order to become like, you know, the king yeah. and the popular guy on 4chan, the person they couldn't be in their real lives. Yeah. And it's yeah. like a game to them because the way that yeah. it works, the rules of the game are to start a new thread, you have to post an image to begin with to start the conversation. Um, and then that thread will only exist for a few weeks before it's then automatically erased. So there's this sense mm. of urgency, get eyeballs on this as quickly as you can. And you're in competition with everyone else to get attention. Mm. And, you know, some people argue that, you know, this is what the marketplace of ideas is. The cream is going to rise to the top. If it's the most entertaining, if the, it's the smartest, then it's going to be um, the thing that most people see. But in actual fact, 4chan proved that if it's the most sensational and provocative yeah. and triggering, that's what people are actually going to end up Most seeing. entertaining and smartest are n never the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Very rarely. Yeah. <laughs> they were, like, trying to outdo each other with who could be the most homophobic, the most misogynistic, the mm. most racist, and this has a name. It's called shitposting, um, mm. posting mm -hmm. stuff just to get a reaction and apparently it's very yeah. addictive because the more attention that you get as people start to react to whatever it is that you put out there when you're trolling them, um, the more that you want to feed that beast. And so mm. all these people sort of started off resentful and then over time in this 4chan environment, they became more hateful and resentful and bitter. And Pepe sort of became their perfect mascot because it was very easy, like we said, to draw your own. And from the very beginning, he'd been used to express an emotion. And they started off doing sad Pepes and angry Pepes that reflected, you know, what it was like to be a dropout who was unsuccessful and an outcast and was mm. totally anarchistic and nihilistic. And it was very much contained within the bubble to begin with. Like Pepe very rarely was taken outside of 4chan and he became mm. totally different from the character that Matt Fury had created. And Matt knew he had the copyright, but he still said he wasn't going to do anything to intervene, even though he was watching Pepe be used in these really disgusting memes. Most of the people who were using Pepe had no idea where Pepe had even come from and they'd never heard of Matt Fury. And so Matt just sort of yeah. watched from the sidelines and figured this will just play itself out and then everyone will move on. I'll just keep selling my comic books and look the other way. Yeah. Then over the course of a few years, Pepe ended up entering the mainstream. So as Facebook and Instagram came along and Twitter continued to grow in popularity, people started going to 4chan and taking their memes so that they could post them and look really clever and funny on their social profiles, which was quite a new thing to happen. Like the fact that mm. people were using social media platforms to try to present themselves as a brand who were, yeah. you know, a person who's really attractive and having a great time and also very clever. Yeah, well, I mean, and also up until that point, 4chan had been a very private, secretive world that nobody really knew how to access mm. except these predominantly young men who were on it. And then when they started sharing their stuff from, they started taking stuff from 4chan and sharing mm. it on their Instagram or their Facebook, which is a very mainstream public thing, 
people were looking at it going, what the hell are you guys doing over on that 4chan? Like that was the first time people started seeing what they were doing in their secret little clubhouse. Yeah. And so they very much felt invaded. Um, They did not like the fact that there were girls coming into their sacred space and that they were taking Yeah, they get angry that girls don't want to f*** them, but then girls come in and they're like, ew, get away from me. Yeah. Idiot. So they were trying to bully people out as much as possible um, when they were coming in sort of uninvited because they were sex havers or they were normies, so they weren't welcome in the 4chan community. Sex havers. Mm. We need to do do adjust the gist on incels. We really do. Yeah. Okay. Put a pin in that. Voluntarily celibate people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. They really, really, really got upset that people were starting to use their mascot, Pepe, because they felt that he represented them at his core. And then... Stole him! Yeah, Pepe moved on to all the other different platforms and they were not happy about it. And then the tipping point was 2014 when both Katy Perry and Nicki Minaj posted um, Instagram posts and tweets featuring Pepe's. At around this same time, when Pepe was sort of reaching his peak, Matt decided that he was going to start producing Pepe merch. So he was making clothes and little knickknacks and coffee mugs and stuff. Um, And he was even, like, having a lot of fun taking the Pepe's other people had drawn and then reinterpreting those bootleg Pepe's themselves. So he just liked that everyone was in on it. He felt like it was this really nice community. And a couple of his best friends got Pepe tattoos saying feels good man in support for their friend because he'd done something that they felt was really successful. People would think they're racist now. Uh, Yeah, that became really problematic (laughs) for them. Gotta get Um, that lasered off. Yeah. So the outrage on 4chan just blew up because of Nicki Minaj and Katy Perry using their Pepe. And so they decided that they were going to fight back against the normies and take back their Pepe, who they felt like they owned. And I still can't believe you called them normies and sex havers. That's what they call them. Yeah, they're the terms that they use. And oh I mean, gosh. they may have moved away from the term normies just because I'm so many seeing so many people like my friend using Mm. the term normies um, herself when, I mean, she would very much be considered a normie by the Channers. Um, But normies now sort of turned into the term for people who haven't yet been red-pilled. It's what Trump supporters call non-Trump supporters. You're such a normie. You don't get it. And they call themselves centipedes. Oh, God. Like the human one? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Probably what they mean, right? I can see them all eating each other's shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Well done. Um, All right. So speaking about disgusting and vile, uh, they, the 4chaners, decided that to fight Mm. back, they were going to turn the normies off Pepe by making Pepe really violent and anti-Semitic and homophobic and murderous. They started drawing him. Oh, so it was a calculated move. Yeah. They were so angry that the thing that they had stolen Mm -hmm. was then getting, they think, stolen from them. Mm Mm-hmm. They purposely tried to make him awful. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, very few of them actually had any connection to the Nazi party or the KKK, but they just wanted to make it very clear. We own Pepe. He's part of our platform, our community, and we'll do what we want Mm. with him. You don't get to just take him out into Instagram and use him in your feed. 
So they're trying to make him toxic so that no pop star will want to ever exactly. associate with it. Yeah, because oh, they were wow, I had no idea. prolific in creating yeah. these Pepe's where he was Hitler saying, kill Jews, man, and he was a oh, 9-11 terrorist flying into the World Trade Center and he's an ISIS member cutting off someone's head. Like they just went as triggering as they possibly could and it worked because um, people started seeing these really, really disturbing Mm. Pepe's and that made them stop wanting to include Pepe on their own feed. So they kind of won that. And then they decided, well, look, if we've had this great success, let's keep the wins coming and let's launch the beta male uprising. And so they had these loose plans to actually conduct real world violence. And um, they started using Pepe as the mascot for school shootings that they were planning. And Mm. a lot of threats were made at different schools that used Pepe in the um, the threats that were sent out. Um, Can you explain what a beta male is? Uh, you'd probably do it better than I would, but I'll have a go. Okay, you have a go. So, well, if an alpha male is the leader of the pack, then a beta male is one that has no choice but to sort of take the scraps that are left behind Mm. by the alpha male when it comes to food and prestige and predominantly really women because this is the real sore point for them, that the alpha male gets all the girls and they get the leftovers or nothing as the betas. Mm. So a lot of these nerds on 4chan most of them consider themselves beta males and they consider alpha males to basically be like muscled up idiots. They call them Mm. chads Mm. and they say that all the beautiful girls in the world only want to have sex with alpha males and intelligent, sensitive boys are beta males. And unless beta males rise up and start violently hurting other people, they'll never be taken seriously. That's what they think. It's the Mm -hmm. most bizarre. 4chan is just the weirdest place. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was going to talk about this at the end. 4chan ended up introducing some rules to try to get on top Mm. of this sort of thing because this actually did spill over into a couple of school shootings and the people Mm. who conducted those school shootings used Pepe in their manifestos that they posted to 4chan. So um, the owners of the platform did decide to take some responsibility here, which only led to then 8chan being created, which once again Mm -hmm. was just a Wild West that said, we'll have absolutely no rules. And then when 8chan was taken down last year, Eight Coon came along to replace it. And yeah. so, you know, these little havens of hateful people are going to pop up. Um, yeah. Unless people are continually vigilant about stepping on top of them. But it's really perfect for them as well and extra nefarious that they can always hide behind the fence of it's just a cartoon. Can't you take yeah. a joke? I'm not actually yeah. making a racist statement. It's just a joke. Can't you see this for being ironic? You're such a normie. We're just trolling you. Mm. Ha ha. We got you. You fell for it. When in actual fact, it was doing a very effective job of spreading hate and symbolizing really, really yeah. hateful people. And because they were doing such a good job of getting away with all of this at this point, the white supremacists paid attention and decided, hey, we could probably start communicating hate speech and messages of violence if we started hiding it in a cartoon as well, because we can just then claim that it's ironic. So why don't we start using Pepe for our own devices as well? Mm. And so they took Pepe onto their own platforms to start spreading their own messages. 
And then, of course, in 2015, Pepe became inextricably linked to Donald Trump shortly after he started um, running for president. So the Chanders were watching when Trump announced that he was running for prez. And from the beginning, he was the underdog and no one took him seriously. And he was the butt of everyone's joke on TV because he said really offensive and upsetting things and the left liberals really, really hated Mm. him. Um, And so that then instantly made him a bit of a hero to this online society of outcasts on 4chan because they lived for upsetting people and being offensive. Plus, he as a person was essentially a meme himself already. He was part of the collective conscience. He was a symbol of something. Um, And so when the media started making all these jokes about him, the Chaners started immediately making supportive Pepe's about him. And this yeah. like cycle of positive sentiment for Trump and making more memes began. A lot of them didn't really respect him necessarily, but there was a lot of nihilistic discussion on the Chans about wanting him to win so that he would finally burn the country down because as anarchists, they actually wanted to see the whole place crumble. Yeah, And so now this time they were happy to see their memes take off and spread outside of 4chan. They wanted to spread the message to normies as far and wide as they could because they wanted to see their own power and influence at play. They called this the great meme war to get Trump elected. And so everyone who was participating in this little online game called themselves digital soldiers because they were fighting against political correctness and taking down left-wing liberals using these memes of Pepe as Trump. And so he'd been very strategically weaponized for a singular purpose at this point, get Trump elected. And so then, of course, when someone likes Trump, he's going to then support them back and give them a bit of a nod, as we've seen him do again and again with QAnon. Yeah. And so just two weeks after the school shooting where the shooter used Pepe in his manifestos, Mm. Trump tweeted an image of himself as Pepe and his son did as well. So then, of course, the media went wild about this. What is this frog? What does it mean? Why is it a symbol of hate? And can I just say, Trump always denies that he knows what he's tweeting. He Mm. always says whenever he tweets things that are linked to groups like this, like when he retweets like the Proud Boys or other groups, he says things like, oh, I just saw a supportive meme or tweet about mm. me, so I retweeted it. But make no mistake that every time he retweets that stuff, it's calculated. He's basically giving them a bit of a dog whistle shout out. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I support yep. you. Thank you for supporting me. Like, so he can't deny that he does that stuff on purpose. And it's working. It works again yeah. and again. It's certainly worked in this case. The Chan has just started to love him even more because he gave him that nod. Um, mm. And so then Pepe became an even more important symbol for more groups of white supremacists and yeah. white nationalists. And this was all really, really exciting for them because they were sort of coming together with this common purpose. Um, and they really, really, really either wanted to Trump to win because they believed in his political ideals and what he was going to do for the country, or they just wanted to troll the world. (laughs) Yeah. They just liked that he was a disaster and it was going to burn everything down. That's what they liked. They just like anarchy. And of course, anytime that anyone called Trump out on using the symbol, he'd be like, it's just a cartoon. What's wrong with you? Yeah. I don't know. You can't possibly take that seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a frog. It's just a frog. It's just a frog. It's just a frog. 
Um, and Hillary tried her best to tell the world, Hillary Clinton, um, when more and more of Trump supporters started using Pepe on signs and on their T-shirts when they'd show up to rallies and when they would troll her in her own speeches by yelling out Pepe from the audience, people were like, what is this about? So more and more headlines were coming out about it. And it seemed so ridiculous, an ugly green frog character that's being used as a symbol for far-right fascists and neo-Nazis. And so Hillary tried to do her best to help people understand by putting out an explainer on her website that was like an Mm -hmm. FAQ document explaining why Pepe had actually become something that was quite sinister and that Trump was using him as a dog whistle to white supremacists. Mm. But it was so hard for anyone to take seriously while at the same time being really, really easy for the Republicans to just ridicule the Democrats for believing this silliness and for being scared of a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, their defence was always, look, the majority of Pepe memes aren't racist. Like, it's only a small minority that have this Mm. terrible connotation and we don't condone that, we don't support that at all, which wasn't true by this point because in actual fact... At this stage, the extreme racist content had totally swallowed all of the innocuous memes. Um, And then also Hillary's thing really backfired because for the people who were still using Pepe in a kind of innocent, non-political way, her Mm -hmm. explainer felt like it was an attack on them and accusing them of being racist. So that just actually ended up radicalising them against her even more. And so then as the symbol continued to get more power, it was being used more and more at white power rallies. People were wearing Pepe masks and going, um, committing acts of terror. And they just seemed to be so thrilled that they now had a recognised symbol and mascot that could actually make people fearful of them because that's what they wanted to spread. So upsetting, right? And it continues to get worse from this point. Like this is bad, but it's going to get worse. Yeah. He at this stage just tried as hard as he could to naively cling to the hope that this was just a phase that Pepe was going through and one Mm. day Pepe's going to come full circle. He'll go back to just being lovable and cute. And he wasn't really doing enough research at this time to understand just how deep this had gone. And so he looks back now and says, I could have done much more than I did. How would you know at the time? Yeah. it was the precipice of a an entirely new kind of phenomenon of virality. Yeah. Like, there's no way he could have known. And plus he tried, like I always have, to stay sort of out of politics and not to read yeah. into all this stuff. So the stuff that would drip through to him or that people would talk to him about, the best thing that he could do is to sort of say, well, look, I've always been a peaceful guy. I'm just going to continue to be peaceful. But then his Mm. wake-up call came when the Anti-Defamation League uh, listed Pepe on their database of hate symbols. So they're Uh a Jewish organisation and they put Pepe's face next to the SWAT sticker on this website that helps people understand. These are the 214 most commonly used anti-Semitic and racist icons that are out there to spread hate and I that, feel so sorry for him oh imagine you, seeing something you created mm, put up on a website next to the swastika as one of the most awful symbols of racial hate yeah um he was absolutely devastated and then of course this just got more and more media attention so everyone mm. wanted to talk to the artist who created pepe to find out what he thought about this And so he would speak out about it and say that he was absolutely horrified and try to help people understand, but it was doing absolutely nothing to slow Pepe's momentum. 
He, meanwhile, had thousands of items of unsold merchandise, which he could now just do nothing with. He had like $50,000 worth of stuff, which the only people who would buy it would be white supremacists and he doesn't want them as customers. He couldn't give it away. He didn't want to burn it. So he was just sort of stuck with all this stuff. And you can then imagine the position that his friends who got the tattoos were in as well, because yes, yes, (laughs) they could get it removed or like tattooed over, but that is such a clear symbol to your friends saying, I want to distance myself from something that you created and I have no faith that it's going to end up coming good again. This is going to be a sign of evil forever. You couldn't do that to your friend. Yeah. And then while all of this. No offense. (laughs) If if you created Pepe and it turned into this, I'd be like, Soz Jacob, I'm out. (laughs) Honey, if you've got a tattoo or something, I'm going over this with a Chinese symbol, like a 90s (laughs) white girl. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, anyway. Fair enough. Okay, somewhere in all of this, someone pointed out to the 4chaners that in ancient Egypt, there was a frog-headed god of darkness and chaos who was called Kek, K-E-K. Here we go. Yeah. And this was just too perfect for them because for a long time, online gamers had been using Kek, 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 Kek as a symbol for lol, 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 or ha, 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 which has something to do with um, laughing at something sadistically in Korean. And so finding out that there was this frog god who was a bringer of chaos and darkness, whose name was essentially Lol, was Mm. just gold for them. And so Kek then became their chosen deity. Kek represented everything that they said um, and everything that Pepe was about. Um, Pepe became the prophet of Kek and spreader of chaos in their mind. The discourse became around establishing the nation of Kekistan with Trump as its Mm. president. They designed a new flag that was basically the design of the (laughs) Nazi flag with some small changes that had been made to it. They're nutters. Insane. They are nutters. Insane. Um, Insane. They all started worshipping Keck and their method of worship was spreading memes because they believed that memes had a magical power and one of their big focuses was on taking Hillary Clinton down and making her collapse in public and then ultimately die and they felt like they were winning that because they were manifesting reality through the memes that they were spreading. Like it's... I mean, these people are spending 14 hours a day on this platform. They're really going deep with this stuff. Doing more and more shitposting to trigger the norm fags and the cucks who lived in Normistan and Kakistan. And, I mean, they saw it so much as a war. In their minds, they Mm. were fighting a war, which ultimately they did end up winning because, of course, we know Trump won and they take a great deal of credit Mm. for that. And once again, this was something that they were able to sort of use in their own defence by saying, I'm not a Nazi, I'm a Kekistani, whenever they were accused of being an extreme right-wing fascist. And, you know... So that just means I'm a loser gamer who spreads (laughs) memes and thinks they're magical. And I'm so Uh, proud to admit that. It's so hard to relate to these guys. Obviously, they are hurting deep inside somehow. I obviously don't know how to help them. I really hope that someone comes up with an antidote to this because this should not be something that continues to be left untreated. It's, It's all just toxic masculinity. And people talk about how... You know, like these guys talk about how feminism is toxic and feminism is trying to ruin uh, traditional masculinity and, and the idea of toxic masculinity is a myth, but it's not. Toxic masculinity affects 
men just as much as it affects women. Mm -hmm. And feminism is trying to protect men just as much as trying to protect women. Like Mm -hmm. feminism is trying to say you're allowed to be not a traditional man. You're allowed to be whatever kind of man you want and you still Mm -hmm. have value and you still have worth and you're still allowed to feel like you deserve to exist in the world. Mm -hmm. And growing up without that kind of ideology feminist ideology to protect you and look out for you means you fall into these tropes of toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. in which you think that unless you subscribe to very particular and specific ideals of male masculinity that you are a loser and you are worthless and if you feel like a loser and if you feel worthless you are going to go on websites like this and look for Mm -hmm. other ways to you know, find an outlet for your rage. And that's Mm -hmm. what happens. In other words, what I'm saying is feminism would just fucking take care of all of this. Mm -hmm. Listen to feminists. (laughs) We're trying to help you. We're trying to help you. But there's no way that these guys were ever going to listen to feminists because in their mind, all that feminists want to do is put men in cages and ruin their lives forever. No, feminists just want you to feel okay about not being an alpha male. They're like, hey, man, whatever. Mm-hmm. Men are cool in whatever form they uh, exist. Yeah. That's all we're trying to say. Oh, yeah. God, this is exhausting. Okay, keep going. Rant over, say, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Fury, um, he definitely is a feminist. Um, yes. And he realised that by just being peaceful and chilled about the whole thing, he'd actually been being really passive and he did have power that he could use and it was time for him to actually step up and use that. Um, Mm. He felt quite a sense of guilt for the fact that he'd left it so long, but he decided, all right, enough's enough. Um, My reputation's been destroyed because I'm now associated with the alt-right forever. And he was trying to launch a career writing children's books as well. So Uh he finally got active. He partnered up with the ADL, who'd listed Pepe as a hate symbol, Mm -hmm. to try to create a hashtag save Pepe campaign. So they were encouraging people to post images of peaceful, loving, happy Pepe to try to drown out all of the hateful Pepes. And hundreds of people did get on board um, and Matt created the Pepe Peace database of love. But, of course, this backfired because Mm. trolls love nothing more than tearing apart something that is in any way earnest or sincere. And so they systematically found all of the hundreds of different peace Pepes and they turned them into Nazis or they showed them being gruesomely killed and they started making these awful memes of Pepe killing or shitting on Matt Fury himself. And also when it comes to the internet, hundreds is not that many. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, Um, oh no, killing or shitting on him? Yeah. I mean, it just goes to show how naive and innocent Matt was from the very beginning to think that this had any chance of working. Yeah. The old right just made it very clear. We're not letting go of this. Pepe's ours. It's official now. He's a registered hate symbol and we'll use him as we like. Thank you very much. Yeah. And so then Matt sort of went, all right, I have no choice left. I have to kill Pepe. And he drew a comic of Pepe's funeral that was attended by his three friends. And this was his attempt to end all Pepe memes forever. Once again, very naive and sweet of you, Matt. Yes, that's not going to happen. More importantly, though, he figured this would be his way to distance himself from Pepe, saying, I drew Pepe's funeral and I said goodbye to him. Um, So he sacrificed 
Pepe, and that got a surprising amount of media coverage itself because... What year was that? 2016, shortly after the election. That's when you sort of realised, okay, I've lost Pepe for good now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, the media covered it because Pepe, by this point, was really good clickbait as a topic and the headline sort of wrote itself variations on cartoon, frog, croaks, and, of course... (laughs) None of this did anything to stop the trolls from making all of their memes. Mm. The 4chan Pepe was totally different from the one that Matt killed off by this point. And Mm. 4chan Pepe, very much alive and well. In that year, there were more than 200 million memes that were created and circulated and more than half of them were Pepe's. 100 million or more Pepe memes that were out there. And he thought a few hundred people part of his peace and love Pepe Mm. campaign would change things. Oh, bless him. I know, admirable. Um, And also it was making a lot of people a lot of money as well. Like people were making millions of dollars, particularly through a um, market called the rare Pepe market, which used a special type of cryptocurrency that they called Pepe cash. And that's where if you had a meme of Pepe that very few people had ever seen, somehow you'd be able to lift it off 4chan before it went viral, lock it down digitally somehow, and then you'd be able to own it. And then you could sell it on to people kind of like a digital trading card, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Buying and selling rare Pepe's has made people millionaires and it is so hard for me to understand, impossible for me to understand. I've seen the actual people in a documentary, like it's been shown to me, but even still my brain just can't be wrapped around it. But the rare Pepe market, turning people into millionaires, plus a lot of people were using Pepe in merchandise. And Mm. Matt knew that he couldn't just walk away from this completely but he also wouldn't be able to put all the toothpaste back in the tube. Um, Mm. But he decided if I'm just really smart and pick my battles, um, I can hopefully do something to try to turn the tide here. So he decided he could do two things, get creative and also get litigious. Now, when it came to getting creative, he and his friend started pitching to major TV networks to do a TV show a kid's cartoon Mm -hmm. show, um, The Adventures of Pepe and Boys Club, which would be all about the true story of where Pepe came from. The plot line would sort of be like (laughs) he was pulled out of Boys Club like Alice falling into Wonderland, has this weird adventure that takes him through the internet. And it was intended to teach kids about, hey, this is the danger of getting involved in something like 4chan. And if you... Yeah, but no one was going to touch that. Yeah, it was too problematic. But um, even though the TV show didn't take off, it evolved into something potentially even better and more powerful, an adults documentary, which is called Feels Good Man. That came mm-hmm. out just this year in time for the election and it actually did do a very, very good job of spreading the story and helping to raise people's awareness about the influential power of memes. So while he was working on that, he also decided, oh, I'm going to get litigious. And the first case that he decided to fight was against a kid's book that had been written because that just made him mm. feel so sick to his stomach. It was called Pepe and Peed. And chill as Matt is, he got furious when he found out someone had written this book because it's deeply Islamophobic um, and it starred mm. Pepe along with his centipede friend representing the Trump supporter living the on Washington centipede. Farm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
God. And they no. were defending their land from a Muslim crocodile who forced his minions to wear burqas. Oh, and, no. I mean, the writer denied that it, it was in any way racist, but he was proven <laughs> completely wrong. I know. You think he was? I know. <laughs> But, I mean, okay. Trump has taught his whole okay. congregation if you just deny, 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 mm. you can get away with it. This guy luckily deny did not sue. get deny away with sue. it. Yeah. Mm. So oh, he Matt, didn't? No, Matt won the case. He proved that his intellectual property had been stolen. The book was removed yeah. from sale. Any profits that the guy had made had to be donated to a Muslim-American advocacy group, which was what yes. um, Matt wanted. The most satisfying thing, the guy who wrote the book, was the assistant principal of an elementary school, and he got 100% fired over this because people were so Good. horrified. Um, so that was a really big, satisfying win. And when he had that under his belt, he then felt strong enough to take on Alex Jones, who I'm curious to see if you mm. know who this guy is. Of course I know who Alex Jones is. He's the crazy guy who says that Sandy Hook was a conspiracy and that all the little children who died in that school shooting were actors. Mm. He's the guy who online is like, Sandy Hook was a conspiracy. Those six-year-olds didn't really die. Mm. They were actors. Uh, there's aliens in your drinking water. Trump is going to save you from pedophiles. <laughs> That's Bang on. Bang on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, thank I was explaining you. <laughs> him to my family last night and I said, if you took a hillbilly, mixed it with an evangelist and then mixed that with a Nazi and then mixed that with a pig, you'd end up with Alex Jones. Yes. Super far scary right man. And he's also a huge part of why Trump got elected. Because yeah. a lot of people listen to him. Mm -hmm. um, he just takes whatever conspiracy theory, runs with it, spreads it, spreads so much bullshit and hate on his website and also sells a lot of bullshit stuff on his website. And also, can I just say, he insists that he absolutely 100% believes everything he says, but he got sued. I think it was by the parents of the Sandy Hook children a couple of years ago um, for spreading misinformation about, like, this is literally six-year-old children who were killed mm. in a school shooting, and he insisted that those children were actors and the whole thing was faked. And um, they sued him. And when he was in a legal deposition, um, he freely admitted, I am a sensationalist radio host. Because he didn't want to get in trouble. Mm. He was like, I'm a sensationalist radio host. And they were like, do you believe what you were saying? He's like, no, it's performance art. He said it's performance art. He said, I'm an actor. What everything I say is just, mm. you know, people should know that I am using hyperbole to do a performance. It's mm -hmm. all just ridiculous. Yep. Like, so he doesn't even hide the fact that he's doing it just to make money. Yep. He's acting like a crazy person to make yep. money, but he knows that his crazy fans aren't going to go and look at that deposition. They're never going to look at that. Mm. They're just going to listen to him when he's on air sprouting crazy nonsense. Yeah. And I mean, he can always go back on his channel and then walk away from what he said in the deposition and yeah. say, you know, just I just go, said oh, what I, I had to, to say to get out of trouble. Yeah. 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 He's uh, an absolute uh. hemorrhoid of a human being. Um, and he he's peddling these really bullshit supplements that he sells and he sells water filters. And he started selling all these posters that look like action mm. movie posters um, that featured faces of people who were prominent in the Trump campaign, like Mayo. Uh, What's his name? Milo Yiannopoulos and Kellyanne My, Conway. Milo Yiannopoulos, yeah. And Pepe was on 
the poster. And so Matt wasn't going to allow this from this douchebag. So they sued Alex Jones. It made a very big splash in the media. Alex Jones then made an even bigger song and dance out of the whole thing, claiming that his freedom of speech was being violated. Um, And so he doubled the price of the poster, told all his followers, go and buy this to save free speech um, because all he was trying to do was... money. Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to free Pepe from the tyrant that Matt is. Um, and and he in the tried process to... make millions of dollars for myself. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he vowed he was going to fight Matt to death in the court because he was an evil extremist leftist. Um, but then while he was telling everyone, I'm going to fight this to the death, I don't care if it destroys me, behind closed doors he went and paid Matt $15,000 out of court and said, let's just agree to settle because he knew he was going to lose. And then, of course, once he came out of this, he started telling the world, yeah, I gave him $15,000. That's chump change. That's like the bar tab at a topless bar one night. Yeah, like, on one big night. Deal. Um, but symbolically, accepted such a small amount of money. All he wanted was for um, Alex to not be able to sell the posters anymore. This wasn't okay, about making money still. to him at all. Plus, for him, 15K, probably actually a big amount of money. I know that people always say it's not about money to me, but and that's fair, that's admirable. But the thing is, when you are trying to punish someone in a way that will get them to not do the same thing again, hmm. that's the whole point of punitive damages. It's like we will take this company, this rich person, whoever, and we will find them so much money that it is not, it is not, it does not make sense for them to do this again because they Mm. cannot afford to make the same mistake again. Like it shouldn't, like I know when people say, oh, it's not about money to me, I'll take whatever. It's like, no, it should be about money, not because you want the money, but because you want the money that they have to give you to hit them so hard that they won't do it again. And not just hit them, but also act as a disincentive for other people to make sure that it doesn't happen through some other sort of actor. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All Matt really wanted here was the the symbolism of the loss. And that was a, Mm. you know, that was a big deal for him and for his side um, because then he kept taking on case after case after case and he ended up winning against more than 100 different people or organisations who were selling things that used Pepe to spread hate. One example, have you ever heard of a Twitter alternative called Gab, like a less regulated version of Twitter called Gab? They used to use Pepe as their logo, like Twitter uses the little birdie, um, Mm -hmm. and they had to stop using Gab as a result of the action that he was doing. What he really wanted was to get the Anti-Defamation League to take Pepe off the hate symbol database, but Mm. they refused because they could see that people were still... People are using it. Yeah. Yeah, you can't... Yeah. Um, So all he can really sort of hope for is the fact that, look, Pepe started off as one thing, morphed into something else, then morphed into this symbol of hatred, and he can probably Mm -hmm. change again. And one of the best sort of symbols of hope that he got that this could happen and that it will happen was last year in Hong Kong, Pepe sort of became like the Mockingjay in the Hunger Games. He was Mm -hmm. the symbol of protest um, for the youth that were 
against Chinese authoritarianism coming mm-hmm. in and taking over in Hong Kong, in no way affiliated with the alt-right, very much associated oh, with no the idea. left and with freedoms. Mm-hmm. So whenever they would show up to protest, they would have signs, they would have Pepe dolls, they were wearing Pepe masks, Pepe T-shirts, they were spray-painting Pepes um, on public places. Really? Yeah, so he I became this why. sign of resistance to them. Well, when they've interviewed people, they say, I love him because he has so many different expressions and, you know, he can really um, show the sadness of us being, you know, living with the threat of the Chinese coming in and taking away a lot of our freedoms. So, I mean, essentially Pepe is kind of a blank canvas on Mm. which a lot of different people have projected a lot of different meanings. Exactly, yep. From the extreme right to the extreme left. Yep. Um, Although I wouldn't say the Hong Kong protesters are extreme left, they're just people who want freedom, but that's a whole other story. But, yes, that's... Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's just a symbol at the end of the day, and a symbol is going to mean what enough people decide that it means. And in Hong Kong, they just had none of the context around um, the alt-right using him so they could use him as they wanted. So that was pretty good news for him. Mm. Um, Also, in the last few years, we were talking before about how QAnon has lots of different sects and factions. Well, within Mm -hmm. the alt-right, they've got those as well. And so because certain groups think that other groups groups are not, you know, anti-Semitic enough or another group's not homophobic enough, they'll then create their own um, little group, subgroup, um, with their own symbols. And the thing that's really taken off to contradict Pepe is a character called Groiper. And Groiper is this big, fat toad that sort of looks like Pepe, so it probably started off as a Pepe. In Australia, yeah. he's most commonly referred to as Easter Toad. Um, and so he... Oh, uh, has... yeah, I know the meme you're talking about. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's always yeah. got his fingers interlaced underneath yeah. his chin and always looks very, very smug. Um, yeah. Again, crudely drawn so you can make him whatever it is that you want to make him. And that has really come to represent the worst of the worst of the worst of the extreme Mm. alt-right who just hate everyone who isn't exactly like them. Mm. Um, And they actually call themselves Groypers now, the members of the America First Party, which is led, by the way, by another human hemorrhoid called Nick Fuentes, who is Hispanic but leads a group of white Mm. supremacists. I can't wrap my head around that. Um, But basically they fight against um, right-wingers who they believe are not racist enough Um, and they've been Mm. getting a lot of media attention lately. Anyway, to wrap it up with Matt... To, to this day, he's still fighting. He's still taking on organisations that are trying to um, spread hate and make money from doing it. He's sick to death of it. He wants it to just be over, but he's not willing to give up until it actually is over. Um, of course, the QAnon community has really wrapped their arms around Pepe stuff. And um, mm. one of the things that I've noticed my friend retweeting most commonly is an outlet called Pepe News Now. And that spreads all sorts of far-right conspiracy theories that are very pro-Trump pro-Melania. Um, and when you have a look at them, it's so hard to take them seriously, but he's still very much active as a symbol for the pro-Trumpies. Um, Matt has said, as he's been out on the um, promotional trail to help um, spread the message about Pepe and about the Feels Good Man movie, that, um, you know, he'll do everything in his power. This year, he's been too demotivated to produce any more art. Mm. It's been a really rough year for him. Uh, um, but ultimately, he will I get feel back that. to... Yeah. 
he will get back to his artistry. He goes through phases of drawing Pepe every now and then just for fun. And he hasn't given up hope that one day Pepe will come back to being the carefree, no. fun-loving character that he was intended to be. He should give up hope. Yeah. I, and then- I, I just think it's he's lost. Give up, man. Draw something new. Yeah. It sucks, well, but he's, he's lost. At least he's doing a little bit every now and then to chip away at the influence that these people have. Um, like you say, I hope that he does start getting a bit more ambitious when it comes to the amount of money he takes from them to actually really yeah. truly hurt and disable them ultimately. Not because he wants the money, but because he wants to hurt them by taking a big amount of money. Yeah. And look, I highly recommend if you can see Feels Good Man, you absolutely should. It came out on Apple TV. You pay for it, which I'm sure we're all happy to do to support Matt. Yeah. It came out at a time when, you know, how free online speech should be is very much part of the zeitgeist as we're sort of seeing mm. Facebook and Twitter for the first time crack down on the spread of fake news and hate speech and more and more of these unregulated social media platforms start popping up the, what's the new one, Rambler? Parler. Parler. Or they say it's pronounced parlay. Yeah, it's a... Um, a really interesting time to be looking at all of this sort of stuff. Yeah. There are certainly many rabbit holes. So, of course, as always, we'll post some more links to start you off if you want to start looking at more of this stuff. Um, and I hope that you've enjoyed that. That is the story of Monsieur Pepe Le Frog. I will say I just I think Pepe is lost. Mm. I think, you know, it's admirable that he Matt is trying to punish the people who are reappropriating it as an as a racist symbol. But. It is now. And yep. and the fact that he wants the Anti-Defamation League to remove it from their list of hate symbols, it's like, but they can't because it is. You yep. can't control what a symbol has become and that yep. is what it has become. Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah. Um, it sucks. It's awful. It's not your fault. But I don't know. Yeah. It's just I will always, whenever I look at Pepe the Frog, I will think of that. It's the same way that right-wing people have, oh, and this is a podcast, this is going to be hard to explain, but they've appropriated this symbol. Mm. Did you know that? Like That was a fraud. The, so that was them trolling. Yes, it it was a fraud and it was them trolling, but it is now associated with mm. white supremacy. So mm. you see, like, I think it started as a fraud and it started with them trolling, but enough people took it seriously that it is now considered an offensive thing. Like, there are a lot of important people in the US Parliament, in US police, in Australian police, who when they are winning awards or getting photographed for media, they will do this, mm. like sort of surreptitiously in the corner of the photo, mm. like to show that, you know, what group they're affiliated with. So these mm. things start off as trolling, yeah. which is what Pepe the Frog started off as but end up becoming very upsetting and kind of a way for people to say, yes, secretly, wink, mm. I am a racist just like you. Like it's it's scary. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they would just be laughing, sitting back, knowing that we're talking about this, the people who started off that little mm. mythological trolling moment. Um, yeah, they've sparked this conversation and many, many others. Ah, it's tricky. <sighs> what a 
high note to end the year on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we've got this app and then we've got our Christmas app that we pre-recorded and then we're going to have a New Year's Day app. So, yay for good-feeling topics. Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that was really fucking fascinating, though. I really, I've always, I knew that Pepe the Frog had become a racist symbol, but I had no idea where it started and I had no idea that the artist just always oh, trying so hard to yeah. claw back this yep. just innocent thing he created from total racist psychos. Yeah. I mean, it's something that's But it's that's the same so... as the swastika. Like the swastika was part of a spiritual, religious kind of yeah. sect. It was considered an incredibly important spiritual, religious symbol mm. and the Nazis took it, flipped it, so mm. it, it did face one way, they flipped it and stole it. And there are still people part of that religious sect for whom that symbol flipped the other way is still incredibly important to them and it's incredibly, yep. it's an incredibly important part of their religion and what they believe mm. in, but it's become so ingrained with Nazism that it's hard for them to even have that symbol anymore. It just shows how easy it is for a symbol to be taken over by a group of hate. Yep, that's right. And look, people who mm. wear a swastika on their T-shirt or fly the flag, they often use that defensive, oh, this is just an ancient symbol from Sanskrit and, you mm. know, why do you have a problem with it? And people use that same defence now when they wear a Pepe T-shirt or wave a Kekistani yeah. flag. It's just a cartoon frog. What are you so scared of? The swastika is flipped, though. Like, I've had a couple, like, taxi drivers who are clearly, you know, sans like, of the Sanskrit Hindu. religion and uh, culture, and they have it hanging there in their car, but it's the other way around, and to them it is a, an mm. incredibly important symbol. Like, so that's yeah. an easy way to tell. But, like, when it comes to Pepe, it's like, well, yeah, Pepe the frog is Pepe, but then... Mm when there's a speech bubble next to him saying kill all Jews, then can't really argue with that, can you? Yeah. <laughs> there's very little ambiguity there, yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm. Oh, God. <sighs> cool. The world is weird, isn't it? It sure so is. Thanks. Oh, well, thanks for picking that to end 2020. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Bright, shiny one. Hey, at least oh, I was going to say no one died. Yeah, they actually did throughout that story. Mm. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. People people have. Yep. Sure. Mm. Okay. Well, um, yay. Please <laughs> tune in for our Christmas episode, which is fun and all about Santa, and our New Year's episode, which is just the gist of 2020, but where I made a conscious decision to only do fun news things and not really depressing ones. So it'll be great. All right. Okay. Bye. All right. Love Love you all. Bye. Bye.